We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Home and home. Jason, we know what you are now, and it doesn't sound real good. You are the e-butt bug. You are the emergency backup to the backup goalie. Emergency backup to the backup goalie. E-butt bug, which sounds like something you really don't want to get. I'm the ass (laughs) e-bug? You are the e-butt bug backup to the backup goalie. I love it. All right. So, dude, I'm I'm not even done on the e-bug shit. I'm just telling you right now. I, I want to talk about I want to talk about other sports. We didn't really dive into other sports that much as much as we could have in terms of where you, could you most see them and least likely see an emergency backup of some kind. But we do have our ask Reddit question that we get to at 9:30 a.m. Eastern time every day except for the days when we get to it at 9:43 a.m. Eastern time, like today. And it's very simple from Ask Reddit. The question is, what is a question that your child asked you that you could not answer? I'll let you start, Jay. I have three kids. I have a 13-year-old boy, an 11-year-old daughter, and an 8-year-old daughter. And I've gotten a bunch of questions that were difficult. I've always been able to navigate them. You know, as a parent, aren't isn't that like the gig? Like you can navigate it. Now, the the questions I can't ever answer are when when they are these. Dad, can you help me with my math homework? I can't help them with their math homework, the way they do it now. But I haven't gotten any like life questions from them that like stumped me, and I'm like, oh my god, how am I going to answer this? What do I say? I haven't. Have you gotten those, Ross? Um. Well. The, the times when I get them, so my kids are six and eight, okay. and they have asked me questions about interpersonal family dynamics that are difficult to answer, but I'm not going to wow. share those on this show. Um, but yesterday, we're driving back from skiing. By the way, this is just a funny aside, Jay, a uh, buddy of mine listens to the show on his way to work in Philly. And he said, going into a meeting, but I'm going to email you the email I sent to Camelback after we were there, Martin Luther King Day weekend, similar to what you had. Wow. 
That Whoa. is bad, dude. That is bad. I didn't even know that. He was listening to us. Like, that's a bad sign. Maybe I'll just forward it, his email, and with the link. Ditto. Here's the link. But anyway. Now it's multiple um, problems. They got to deal with it. Here's, yeah, so driving back, my youngest daughter said, um, for some reason, she's really into middle names. And she said, what's God's middle name? And my wife and I looked at each other and we're like, well, God doesn't have a middle name. He's just God. And she seemed to accept that. She's like, well, what about Jehovah? And we're like, her in, in her in her Sunday school class, they're singing this song where it's like, there's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. So she was curious about Jehovah. I got to be honest with you. I don't know a whole lot about the Jehovah part, okay? Then she said, well, what's Jesus' middle name? And all I could think about was my grandpa. And I was going to say to her, Mother Effin. <laughs> oh, jeez. Glad you didn't answer. <laughs> I got thinking, middle name Jesus. What? And all I can think of my grandpa a couple of times, Jesus. Enough said, Effin. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jesus does, actually Effin. doesn't have a middle name. Mother Effin. So then she, I can't remember what else she asked, but she asked another tough, like another couple religious questions that I was like, I'm driving. Your mom has to answer that one. I'm dry. I need to focus on the road. Uh, Google, so please. it's usually at, at this age, I feel like it's mainly like religious questions that would be stumpers. Yeah, see, those don't stump me. Um, God's like Madonna. He's got one name, right? It's God. And Madonna, you call Madonna, Madonna. But, and Jesus doesn't have a middle name. So, and Christ is not Jesus's last name, by the way. Uh, it's just Jesus. But uh, the religious ones don't stump me. I was a, a good religious scholar when I went to Malvern Prep. I won the Theology Award for Excellence in Theology Academics. So I'm good there. They can't stump me on that one. Dude, I didn't know this whole time that you were rich. Now I oh, know no. you're rich. <laughs> Malvern <laughs> Prep. Oh, yes. very nice. Very nice. I was there on an academic scholarship. For hockey. Did you play hockey That's for that? They called them. Yeah. Oh, very nice. See, they, Got it. They All had right. sections when I went there, Ross. They had like 11A, which was like honors, where you would have been like the Princeton guys, right? And 11B. Then they had 12A and 12B. And then they had a 13B. They didn't even have a 13A. I was in 13B. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. So, okay. So we're going to switch gears. We've been doing this all 32 series. I still have some more e-bug stuff for other sports later because I'm just loving the idea of an e-bull, like an emergency backup offensive lineman, e-bull, like Ebola virus. Dude, that would be, that would be entertaining. That would be <laughs> something. Although, you know what? I mean, I guess it depends on how competent the guy was, but still, uh, I don't think that that would go very well. It didn't Dangerous. go very well at times last year for the Miami Dolphins offensive line, but they did have Fitzmagic, and I still think the Dolphins haven't gotten enough conversation for a team that tried to tank and failed. Let's take a listen 
to some of the sound from 790 The Ticket in Miami. It's hard to find a definitive instance of NFL tanking, at least over a full season. If I say they're not planning on being competitive, it sounds like they're planning on losing. But they're not. But they're not. But they, they want, did. They want to compete on a week-to-week basis. Whether they're tanking or not, who cares? They're going to be bad. They're fully healthy right now. You know, Devontae Parker's out there running. They, he can have a little Fitz magic with Fitzpatrick. Um, you know, you got Albert Wilson. You got Kenya Drake, who's been rested for the last three weeks. It's hard to assess this team. But I think, to me, the ultimate goal for Ryan Flores is this team can't quit. They can't tune him out. Can you glean any positives from the Dolphins' performance in Dallas? Have we already gotten to this point? Have we already <laughs> there? Three games into the season well, where a 25-point 20, beatdown is a moral victory. I, do you think we're going to do a single Victory Monday show this oh, season? That's a great question. We've come this far. We've stripped this team down so much. Uh, we have been through two decades of just dysfunction and mediocrity. Uh, the only thing that can guarantee that we possibly get off this ride is Tua. I don't want a chance doing what I call the that so Dolphins move and finally getting a win against the Washington Redskins. And let's not let's not chance that. I will tell you this about the Miami Dolphins victory. Didn't feel bad to me at all. Like I didn't know how I was gonna feel. Now I think doing it to Adam Gase is part of the fun. That's all the fun. So you get moments like this. That hard work. All right, there's joy in hard work, and this is it right here. I'm just telling you that right now. There's joy in hard work. This is it. How about them Dolphins, fellas? Dolphins on three. One, two, three. The unexpected that, uh, let's all be honest, the unexpected that happened in Foxborough uh, yesterday that has everybody going, what the heck? just happened you know all the stuff yeah. starts coming out that Tua Tagovailoa mm-hmm. was healthy blah 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 is he going to be available with the number five pick he is not going to be available with the number five pick they want him they're gonna have to trade up question is how high do you have to go Two is really the spot where you need to go problem is will the Washington Redskins give up on Chase Young That was from our guys in Miami, 560, the Joe, 790, the ticket. Speaking of 790, the ticket, Zach Duarte is an evening host, does a terrific job down there. There's a lot to talk about as it relates to the Miami Dolphins. Zach, you're on with Ross Tucker and Jason Martinez. It is home and home, a radio.com sports original Really appreciate the time. I'm hoping you got to hear that audio compilation, Zach, that we just put together. These have been awesome to go back and listen to how things change over the course of a season before the season. I guess I want to start with what is the general reaction of Dolphins fans to last year in the sense that you got rid of so many good players – because you wanted the number one pick, but then you won too many games. Like, how have people reacted <laughs> to last year's apparently failed tanking? Yeah, it's uh, interesting. Well, uh, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. Um, to start, it was it was hard to swallow. It was a tough pill to swallow because a lot of those trades happened after the fact that you know fans were ready for the season, ready for this new change, and then you had the Laramie Tunzel trade. 
Uh, and you also had the Minka Fitzpatrick trade. Uh, Minka was in season two weeks after the season started, and Laramie happened right before the season started. So those just – and when those happened, you knew it was – that season was over. You knew that you were not playing for 2019 anymore. So it was a tough pill to swallow. But then you got through 0-7. The team started to be more competitive. And then in the last nine games, they won five. And you're just like – this, this was totally unexpected, and it was really fun how they won those games, too, because they were beating good teams. They beat the Patriots in the, at the end of the season, which really ended up impacting the standings and impacting the Patriots because they didn't have that second-round home playoff game, uh, which didn't matter anyways. But uh, it was it was very mixed reaction, and then I think we all understood what was happening and why they were doing it. And then it became fun because it started winning games, and you, you – you worry about the future in the future, and you worry about the draft at the draft, but they weren't winning games with picking guys up off the street on Tuesday from practice squads and waiver wire transactions, and it became just fun because they were a massive underdog, and they were beating uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, and they beat the New England Patriots, and it became fun at the end of the season. Zach, when you, when you look at it, they do have excellent draft equity coming in. Three first-round picks, five picks in the first two rounds, six picks in the top three rounds. Um, is there chatter that they will try and move up and combine some of that equity to get the quarterback? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you heard in the clip there, I think it was Omar Kelly saying there's no way that they get two out of five. And it's starting to look like I agree. I think the Detroit Lions are open for business at this point. And uh, it's it's something as a Dolphins fan, you're very you're very torn up. And and, and, I, and I know it sounds weird because hey, move up, get your guys, that's fine. But the Miami Dolphins have so many positions that they need to address. They 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 have holes all over the roster. And and you know, like I said, they were plugging those positions in with waiver waiver wire transaction guys. And uh, you were hoping that they'd be able to make all those picks, but it doesn't look like it. The thing that you're really looking at is, are they going to have to spend another first round pick? to move up from five to three. And you're hoping that they don't, but it sounds right now like they're going to have to. I think that's just the, the pre-draft hoopla, the whole process uh, taking place right now. You, you look back a couple of years ago, the Jets traded from six to three to get Sam Darnold, and they traded three second-round picks. Um, but the Dolphins are going to have to do what they're going to have to do, and if that's parting ways with one of those other first-round picks uh, to move up from five to three, and that's what they're going to have to do. But they're in a position that no other team is in right now. They they have so much capital, like you just mentioned, that they can control if they want to trade up or not. And, and no other team can do that. I think there's two other teams that have first-round picks. Jacksonville has two first-round picks, and Oakland has two first-round picks. But if Detroit's going to trade back with them, they're going to go from 3 to 12 or 3 to 7, whereas if they trade with Miami, they'll go from 3 to 5. They'll still be able to get who they want at 5 for the most part and get another first-round pick is what it looks like at this point. Yeah, it's just crazy, though, Zach, to talk, to, to listen to you. Again, Zach Duarte is the evening host on 790 down in Miami. You know, if they had just done their jobs and lost, <laughs> they wouldn't be in this position. And the problem was they signed my boy Fitzpatrick. Like, when they move on from Tunsil and Minka Fitzpatrick and those guys – it's clear what they wanted or were trying to do. Why, oh, why would they sign Ryan Fitzmagic and or even play him instead of Josh Rosen if they wanted to get the number one pick and not have to waste resources now 
to move up and get Tua. They could have just drafted Burrow at one or just drafted Tua at two. No, I I, uh, I totally agree with you. I, I totally understand when it was happening in the moment because I do the post-game shows as well after Dolphins games. I was saying the same thing. I was I was frustrated. I, I was frustrated that they won those games. If you look back at it now, they had just lost those last two regular season games against the Bengals and against the Patriots. The Dolphins would have the number one pick right now. And, and that Bengals game was in overtime too. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, Brian Flores is, is coming from a position of, uh, I, I don't worry about the offseason. I worry about controlling this locker room and, and um, you know, showing everybody in this locker room that I am serious and, uh, you know, a leader shows the way. And, and Brian Flores says, no, we're going to win every single game. We're going to win every single snap. Brian Flores is not going to uh, throw games on purpose or tank games on purpose. And, and it, it's, it's, it's a discussion that happens every single day for the last year. Hey, why are we winning these games? But, you know, if, you, if you're Brian Flores, you can't afford to lose games. You know, we saw a guy like Steve Wilkes last year in Arizona. I think they went 3-13, and he got fired after one season. So if you're Brian Flores, you're not sitting here saying, hey, you know, if I go 3-13, my job is safe. Now, if a discussion happened in the offseason between Brian Flores, Stephen Ross, Chris Greer, that's another story. But if I'm Brian Flores, I'm doing the same thing. I'm trying to win every single game, and I'm not, I'm not worried about the draft until we get there in April. And, and again, as we mentioned in the question before, the Dolphins, they can they, they can offer more in a trade than anybody else can. And I, I, I agree with you. Like, look, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I actually said last year when uh, you could see that Tannehill was on his way out, I said, hey, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a fun way to lose 10-plus games. And that ended up being exactly what happened. But, uh, you know, Josh Rosen, he was in there to start the season, and it was unwatchable. It was really hard to watch Josh Rosen uh, be, be a quarterback of this team and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, he galvanizes other guys, and, and he, he just made it fun. You know, I know we lost 11 games, but it was still fun. And, uh, and I'm, I'm actually looking forward to seeing Ryan Fitzpatrick and what he can do with his team next year. Hey, Zach, well, you look at the team. By my count, of the five wins, they beat three quality opponents. You mentioned the Patriots and the Eagles, and Indianapolis is no slouch either. Um, but to come out of this offseason with that draft equity that you have, what is an absolute must? Do they have to come away with the, the quarterback of the future? Do they need that to, to move forward? Because once you check that box, that you have that guy for a long period of time, getting the other pieces is a lot easier than trying to get the franchise quarterback. Do they have to capitalize on that draft equity and come out with that this year? Yeah, that's a good question. You would, you would think in a perfect world that they have to get the quarterback. But let's say they came out of this draft with a left tackle – a defensive end that can rush the passer, and another first-round pick next year so that they have three first-round picks next year. I know it sounds bizarre, right? We're talking the, the, the worst possible uh, worst-case scenario. But let's say they came out with a left tackle, a defensive end who can rush the quarterback, and now three first-round picks in next year's draft. And you have Trevor Lawrence and all those quarterbacks. That's not a bad position to be in either, but I do think that they have to come away in this draft with a quarterback, and that's where the whole two of dynamic gets interesting because Tua has been the guy that they've probably been targeting for the better part of the season. You remember last, I think it was January, Adam Schefter was like, oh, the Dolphins are tanking for Tua. <laughs> and you're like, what? This is this is uh, 18 months ahead of schedule. But uh, I, I do think that coming away with a quarterback is a priority. Um, and I don't know which one of, I don't know which one of those three it is. It could be uh, Joe Burrow, although that, that seems like a pipe dream right now. 
Tua Tagovailoa or Justin Herbert, I think, is a real possibility at five two if the Dolphins uh, are are not willing to trade up whatever Detroit asks for because Detroit is in a position of power now uh, where they can trade back and they can take the best offer available, and that's where the Dolphins. Uh, they can control that, but if they don't want to give what Detroit wants, then Detroit may trade with another team who wants to trade up to three. But yeah, I, I do think they need a quarterback. You're looking at a left tackle or a right tackle, two as the quarterback, and a defensive end who can rush the quarterback. They need everything. The only thing they don't need is wide receiver right now. Devontae Parker signed an extension. Preston Williams had a nice year last year. Mike Gusecki emerged as a nice tight end threat down in the middle of the field, but they need everything. They need another cornerback, linebackers, safety, uh, defensive tackle they need every position except for wide receiver so zach do you want to uh and do the people down there want to uh regardless of his health concerns and all the injuries he had in college yeah yeah i think you uh as a dolphins fan who has uh not who has watched his franchise not take chances in the first round besides ryan Tannehill, uh who has watched uh them pass on Drew Brees because of a medical situation. Take the best player available. Take the generational talent and see what happens on the field. Um, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of injury concerns with Tua Tungo Bible. I'm not worried about that. Take the take the guy with the best uh, with the most talent, I should say, at the quarterback position, and that will that will bring people back to the stadium. You have to understand the Dolphins have haven't won a playoff game since 2000, I think it was, and that game was blacked out. You couldn't see it on TV. Uh, and, and the quarterbacks that we've had since Marino, I mean, you go through a laundry list of quarterback names that stretches from, you know, Ryan Tannehill, Jay Feeler to Chad Henney to, uh, you know, Ray Lucas. Guys, we've had 20-plus quarterbacks in San Marino. It'd be nice to have a guy who was drafted in the top five, who was a Heisman Trophy winner, national champion, who comes with a pedigree like Tua Tango Bailoa. So yes, I'm, I'm absolutely for them drafting Tua. And, you know, I, I really hope that they can make it happen. And I, I just, I just hope that they don't have to trade all those first round picks in order to make that happen. To get the franchise quarterback, and you look at your division right now, uh, maybe Brady leaves New England, and all of a sudden that division becomes a little bit more balanced, if you will. And and the top team, I guess, would be Buffalo if Brady were to leave New England. Although we'll see what Belichick can do if Brady is to leave. But is there a feeling there if you get the quarterback, and now you can be a team that's in the mix to win that division for a change? No, yeah, I, I 100% agree. You, you look at the job that Brian Flores did last year, and he, he I mean, he won games. Like, again, picking guys up up, up off the uh, practice squad from other teams, waiver wires, and putting them together, you know, with four or five days and making the game plan and winning games against, like you said, Indianapolis, New England, Philadelphia. They had the lead in both games against Buffalo. Uh, so you think, as a Dolphins fan, you have the, the, the head coach in place. That is there. Now you just need the rest, and you can compete. I would say if they get Tua in this draft, that there are expectations for this this team to be competing for a division title within two years. I'm not saying next year. I'm saying within two years when Tua seemingly would be healthy, because what I think the plan would be would be to sit Tua next year. Let Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, take the reins again, show Tua the ropes a little bit, let Tua get healthy, let Tua get comfortable, and then amass more talent on this roster because there's not a lot of talent on this roster right now and in two years i think the dolphins like you said they have 12 picks in the first three rounds in the next two two seasons plus a lot of money to spend uh in free agency so that would be the plan for miami to compete within two years for a division title 
Zach, last question, and we'll get you out of here. Zach Duarte is the evening host, 790. The ticket down there in Miami, one of the radio.com affiliates that we have and love. I feel like my number one positive for the Dolphins right now, if I were you, Zach, and correct me if I'm wrong, would be Brian Flores. I just think that that guy is awesome. And for you guys to get rid of Cam Wake, Robert Quinn, Tannehill, Kenyon Drake, Minka Fitzpatrick, Laramie Tunsil, and still win five games, I think that's actually pretty incredible. Do, does everybody and do you feel good that maybe you have your coach for the next eight to ten years? Yeah, well, like I said, we've seen what he can do with not a lot of talent on the roster. I think it becomes different when you have a situation somewhat like the Cleveland Browns where you have personalities, you have talent. We haven't seen Flores do, do that yet. Uh, in, in New England, you know, he, he wasn't the main defensive play caller. That was all Bill Belichick. So we'll see how Flores, you know, coaches with more talent on the team. But you, you, would, you would think that, yes, he is the coach. He's the right coach for this team to lead them into the future. But we have to see, you know, they had a lot of issues with Nathan Fitzpatrick, a very talented player, couldn't get him to want to be on this team, to want to do what the coaching staff wants to do. So how does that play out? when you have more guys of Mika Fitzpatrick's caliber, because you saw what Mika Fitzpatrick did when they traded him to Pittsburgh. So, yes, you think that you have the right coach in place. It also, but also what, what you mentioned there, it makes you frustrated because they had talent on this team where they could have won. Like you said, Kenyon Drake, uh, Ryan Tannehill was a few plays away from the Super Bowl this year. Devontae Parker all of a sudden blooms and blossoms. And it makes you frustrated because Adam Gase was the head coach here and could never make this work. They had Jay Ajayi. They had Damian Williams on this roster. Damian Williams was stuffed down the depth chart as Arian Foster was starting uh, the first uh, first few games of Adam Gates' tenure as head coach. So makes you frustrated for what was here in the past, but it makes you excited for what's here in the present. Zach Duarte, check him out. You can always listen to 790 The Ticket on the Radio.com app. That's why the Radio.com app is awesome. Zach, really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. You know, Jay, I got a couple questions for you about the Dolphins before we hit the final break of the show. One is, I'm just sitting here thinking, okay, they won five games. I got to go back and look how many games they started or played Rosen in. And then they moved on from Tunsil and Fitzpatrick, and Minka Fitzpatrick, that is, and Kenyon Drake. Like, what if they started Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the whole year and kept Tunsil and Drake and Minka Fitzpatrick and arguably even Robert Quinning? Like, how many games would they have won? Seven, eight, yeah. nine? It, it looks like they, they started Rose in the first four games of the year. Now they got blown out in the beginning of the season, 59 to 10 to Baltimore, 43 to nothing, then 31 to six, and then 30 to 10. So would Fitzpatrick have been able to play defense? Because <laughs> they no, weren't stopping but I, anyone. I wonder, I wonder if psychologically how much of an impact. I, it's one of the weirdest seasons I can ever remember because the first month of the year, I thought that they were going to be the worst team in NFL history. Like, I, I, yeah. I mean, they, they got – the Ravens annihilated them. I mean, it looked mm -hmm. like an NFL team playing an XFL team. And so I felt like Dolphins fans were on board with that. 
And all of a sudden, Fitzpatrick comes in, Fitzmagic, and it's like, well, first of all, they were on board with that, but then they were getting mad because Tunsil and Minka Fitzpatrick are young guys that you would think are like part of the long-term solution, not part of the problem. Like getting rid of Quinn and Tannehill and Wake, okay, but I think you thought people thought Minka Fitzpatrick, Tunsil, these are the guys we want to build around, and they're part of the solution for the next five, ten years. Then they trade them. You're like, holy crap. They're taking like a long view at this thing. And then they start winning. Like, I feel like one of those like uh, gifs on the internet where the guy is just like looking oh. back and forth. Like, I don't know how you're supposed to feel if you're a Dolphins fan after last year. It's a bit of a mixed message, isn't it? And you're right. When you're trading away players that could be, you know, you're creating holes when you trade away a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick or Tunzel. You're going, well, these guys are still young enough. We can turn this around, and they can be a part of the solution as well. And when you do that, you go, okay, it's outwardly tanking. They're spitting in the integrity of this, in the eye of the integrity of the sport, like the Sixers did in basketball. Okay, and as a fan base, we're cool with that because we want to guarantee ourselves getting a number one pick. But then they go out and they win five games, including the last two games of the season. It's like, okay, we're in position. We got this pick. Let's just not screw it up by winning. Then they win an overtime game against Cincinnati, which they easily could have lost. And then they went out and they busted their butts to beat the New England Patriots in the final week, take the Patriots' home field away or the, the bye week away, costing them the playoffs. So on one hand, I admire it, but was it you know, foolhardy to do that and win those last two games? I like the fact that the guys, look, players want to win. You don't ever go out there and look like a fool. And you're, not, and you're going, look, I'm not here to help you find a guy to take my job. I'm going to go out and bust my butt. So on one hand, I admire it. But the other hand, I'm going, maybe it was a little foolhardy because it doesn't move the ball forward for them any. Now they're going to have to use more assets to get uh, the quarterback of the future. All right. So it's not very often you get to co-host a show with an e-butt bug. And so we're going to take full advantage of Jason being an e-butt bug and former e-bug. And we're going to dive into it. We got a poll question, which is at RDC Home and Home on Twitter, by the way. He's at Jason Mert, M-Y-R-T. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. And the question is, what other sport would you like to see an e-bug type get into the game? I want to go over with you, Jay, when we get back. This is going to be fun. What positions in what sports do we think the guy would have the best chance of actually looking competent, like David Ayers, the 42-year-old beer leaguer? And what sport and what positions could it get real ugly real quick? We'll wrap up the show talking that. And is there a professional athlete that wants to be a non-professional athlete? We'll get to, I'll explain when we come back here. It's home and home at radio.com sports. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. The poll question is, what's the next sport that should have an emergency backup position. And the options we gave were baseball pitcher, football kicker, and soccer goalie. He's Jason Mertidis, at Jason Mert on Twitter. I'm Ross Tucker, at Ross Tucker NFL. The show was home and home. It is a radio.com sports original, 830 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. Always available, by the way, on demand, and always less than five minutes of commercial time per hour, which is insane. Break time, really, not even really commercial time. So this is an interesting question, Jay, because I feel like there's two different questions. What? Maybe three. Here they are. One would be, are we talking about a random person, like a fan, or are we talking about someone with a certain level of competency? Because those are two different things, right? You know, you could have a kicker, emergency kicker there that comes down and puts a helmet and shoulder pads on, and he's, you know, he was a college kicker and he comes to the games. So NFL teams don't have to have their punter kick or Wes Welker or somebody, Brian Mitchell, somebody like that. Uh, In soccer, goalie, same type of thing. What would it be in baseball? Would it be the pitcher or the catcher? Well, it would be the pitcher because you can't expect somebody that, well, you can't expect a guy that isn't playing a pressure not to be a goalie either. Yet there was one and, and he won a game. No, it would have to be the pitcher, though. But would anybody that you was an emergency backup be better than, say, your center fielder or your your shortstop or whatever? That's the question. But yet you couldn't just pull somebody out of the stands uh, to go out there and try and kick a football. It would have to be somebody that was a kicker at some level, because if it's an emergency backup that comes in, it still has to give you some semblance of some kind of a chance of success with whatever that emergency players doing right yeah so basically i i look at it like if we're having if we're having someone if we're if we're equating it to the e-bug right i think you could absolutely have a kicker that a, a kicker or punter is the most obvious clear sport position where that could happen because yeah. it just could i mean they don't really have to do very much athletic they're just kicking a ball and you could get a guy that was a D1 punter or kicker, and it, it'll look like a kick. It'll look like a punt. Mm-hmm. It just won't be as high or as far, and it won't be as likely to go in. So I think that's comparable. I think soccer goalie, probably similar. Base Basketball, there really isn't one. 
And no. and baseball, I guess it would be like the equivalent of a bullpen catcher, right? Like you could have a bullpen yeah. catcher. I almost feel like I almost feel like you'd have a better chance of getting guys out if it was the um if it like I went in there as a pitcher as opposed to like the BP pitcher, the batting practice pitcher. The batting practice pitcher goes in there, you're get, those guys are going to be crushing the ball. If I go up there and the ball's like super slow and that like I don't know. I I feel like I don't know if it would be the bullpen catcher, the bullpen pitcher or both. I guess in terms of what would be more likely that you would need, it would be the catcher if your first two catchers got hurt cuz there's about a million pitchers. Yeah, you have you have a lot of options and you can use a regular player as a pitcher too, but you're right. The catcher a regular player could put the catcher's equipment on and play the position, but maybe it makes more sense to be the catcher and your emergency would probably be your bullpen catcher. But the problem is, and the reason why they went to an e-bug in the NHL is because one team, the Florida Panthers tried to put in their goalie coach who was a former NHL goalie, a guy named Rob Tallis. And that's where they said, we got to draw the line. We can't do that. He's a member of the coaching staff. He can't also play. So that's why they brought the e-bug system into place. The thing that makes it so unique in the NHL Wait, that, wait, 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 hold on a second, hold on a second, hold on a second. They had an issue with bringing it. He was a coach of that team, though, right? And, and a former NHL goalie. The Flyers had a guy as an e-bug at one point, too, named Jeff Reese, who was the goalie coach and played minor league hockey. Right, but here's my thing. I feel like that's better than putting in our guy, Ayers, that works for the Maple Leafs for the Hurricanes. I'd yeah. rather have it be somebody with the organization, a coach, a front office guy, I, like he's with that team than bringing in some random guy. Well, here's the thing though. Okay, so it's say it's uh, the, the guy Talis in Florida, but it's the other team's goalie that gets hurt. Now he is a coach on the Florida Panthers and now he's the emergency for say it was the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not okay there, with that. There, there's the rub. Because he, he is already under contract, so he can't sign a contract with the opposition to be their emergency. Got it. There's okay, the rub. So the, issue wasn't, the issue wasn't him going yeah. in for his own team. It's the issue is if he went in for the other team. Exactly. Because he would be heavily incentivized to let them score. Oh. You said there's not an e-bug on earth. That e-bug would, would, would let goals yeah. in. Yeah, he may he may throw it for his team who he works for. Now, the guy Ayers, David Ayers, he worked for the Leafs organization as a Zamboni driver for the minor league team in the AHL. He was also the e-bug for the Toronto Marlies. But as it turns out, he gets in a game as a member of the Carolina Hurricanes and goes against the Leafs, who, by the way, he practiced with yesterday. He gave up the first goal in the game. You'll love this, Ross. He gave up in the first game to no slouch, John Tavares, one of the best players in the league. And it looked like a really bad goal that he gave up. Tavares shot it right along the ice, went under his pad. And they asked him after the game about the goal. He goes, I was stunned. And he said, why? He goes, because he never shoots low in practice. He always shoots high on me. I was stunned that he shot the puck low. And Tavares, being the oh, savvy so guy, he knew that. Really, okay, so he was like, from practice, he knows these guys' tendencies. 
Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. So, look, yeah, almost had an unfair advantage playing against the team that he practices with all the time. So he knows their tendencies. Where, and don't, and every goalie Maple, knows everybody's tendencies. Where are the Maple Leafs in the standings? They're in the third spot. They're hanging on to a playoff spot by a hair right now. They, they are one point up in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Two points up, sorry. Third well, spot wait, I thought Atlanta. you said the Hurricanes just got the last spot. No, well, the Hurricanes moved into a wild card spot with the win. The two points they got got them to 74 points. They're now wild card number two. So for right now, at least, that was like a swing game on some level for the Maple Leafs and the Hurricanes. There's 20 games left in the season, and those two teams are fighting tooth and nail. There's eight teams that are going to make it in the Eastern Conference, and it looks like there's about five teams fighting for three spots. Okay, let's now talk random guys. For people that are not e-butt bugs, right? Like random dudes. What sport do you think they could go in and it would take us the longest to notice? And what's the opposite of that? Um, I'm trying to think of a sport. Well, what about NASCAR? Is that a sport? Or is that uh, a competition? Could you jump in a NASCAR? I don't know. I think somebody might be able to. I mean, they'd be last, but I think that they could. I've I've driven a NASCAR. Yeah, and, and you I've would love to take it, that turn, right? And I've driven it 140 miles an hour. So I feel like a regular person... They'd be in last place, but they could at least follow the other cars around. Like I, I don't, I don't think that that would be the. Oh, you're saying which one would you would you would um notice Maybe the not least? Noticed. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, after yeah, Ryan yeah, Newman, yeah, I'm not getting in one, but yeah, that that would be one. I mean, obviously a kicker or a punter until they kick or punt. You know what I mean? Um, I saw people say NBA. Uh, which is possible. They'd probably go right at the NBA. I'm talking about the least, like, you would know right away. you oh, go yeah, right yeah. at that guy in the NBA. How about a cornerback in the NFL? How about a they running right back? Dude, yeah. how about a running back? Do you ever see, like, when the punter or the kicker try to run with the ball, how slow and unathletic they look? And, by the way, those guys are usually pretty decent athletes. If yeah. you took a normal guy out there, it would be it would be like watching a slow motion car wreck and like these guys running slow motion, and then all of a sudden and he would get blown to bits. It would be actually highly entertaining. It'd be very <laughs> bad for that guy. I hope he signed a waiver before he became the eburb or whatever to be the running <laughs> e back. Roadkill. <laughs> oh man, that'd be bad. Yeah, I think um you know what? I think you could play soccer for a while before anybody would notice. They just kind of like jog around out there, and the ball might not even come into your zoner area for a while. And even if it does, you, you know, you might not get exposed that much. But maybe if you had a guy that was like a former D1 collegiate player, or maybe you could mask it a little bit there too. But I mean, when you're talking about these athletes at the highest level, there's, I mean, like we all played with kids growing up that were really good athletes in our hometown, but then there's that 1% of 1% that are at that level to play, to be the elite players in the world. And it just looks so different. It's, I mean, there's no individual sport where you could hide like tennis or golf or anything like that. That wouldn't work. 
So I, the team sport, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if you could hide it. What about the opposite of this? What about when pro athletes try to do something normal? I don't even know if you'd call it norm, normal, but Madison Bumgartner, who just got $85 million for five years, he made a crazy amount as a pitcher in Major League Baseball. He evidently has been going to rodeos under an alias and, like, winning. Now, here's the thing. He's doing, like, calf roping. Which I don't, that's not, like, I don't know much about it, but that's not, like, really dangerous, right? Well, it's not not dangerous. <laughs> You're running around with animals getting off a horse and swinging a rope that can pull your arm out of your socket easily. He did it two days before he was pitching as his alias Mason Saunders. That's insane. That is unbelievable. I mean, that's a total violation of his contract. It probably doesn't say a lot of pro sports contracts, like no skiing or no motorcycle riding. I don't know that it says no rodeoing, but I'm sure the team would not be happy. It's um, it's more generic than that, but it yeah. talks about um, it talks about anything where you could harm your body. But, but the thing is, is he got hurt. It. He got hurt in a dirt bike incident. Yeah. Like, I mean, he is not the brightest bulb doing this. I guess he just doesn't care. Yeah, I mean, look at you go, dude, can you just wait until your career's over and stop risking all this money? Like, what are you doing? But he might be like, you know, I got enough money. I'm good. You know, I got accomplishment. I got money. I'm good. I'm going to go out and rope some calf, which doesn't really appeal to me. Yeah, I'm surprised that, like, Tom Brady skis. Like yeah. Tom Brady skis in the offseason, I never did that. Once I was playing college football especially and was 300 pounds, I wasn't about to ski. I, and I talked to a buddy of mine recently. He's an NFL, former NFL lineman. He skied his whole career in the NFL. Think about, in my mind, how devastated you'd be if you, like, tore your ACL or somehow affected your NFL career by skiing. It yeah, just I, I like wait. for the rest of your life, you'd wonder how did that change my career? How yeah. would how would things have gone differently? You know, well, you know why Tom Brady skis? It's really simple. Have you seen Giselle in that little ski costume? She's the <laughs> snow bunny of snow bunnies and she out earns them. He's like, I'll ski all you want. Just get in the snow bunny outfit and we're going. Vale, here we come. I I haven't seen it, and I didn't know oh. I that you can see outfits of Giselle. You haven't Googled Giselle? What's the matter with you? Giselle Snow Bunny? Giselle Ski Bunny? <laughs> you need to go back to Camelback and, and Google Giselle. <laughs> Very interesting. I might take a look at that. Uh, dude, we got to like two of the topics we wanted to today, but guess what? It was the best one, the e-bug, e-butt bug topic. We'll get to a bunch more tomorrow. We didn't get into whether or not you should try to go and advance yourself in life, or if you're happy with where you are, stay right where you are. The grass is greener discussion needs to be had. Should we talk about the XFL? Should we talk about the NFL Combine? Are these things that people care about? We'll discuss it later, and we'll figure out for you guys tomorrow 
Hope you everybody enjoyed. If you missed it, go back and listen to the start of the show. I went all over Camelback. Did not have a good experience. Or listen to Jason Mertidis explain the wonder that is the e-bug about 20 minutes into the show. It was unbelievable. For Jason, I'm Ross. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a great Monday, everybody. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.